It's time again for the Scotty Johnny Podcast with your host, Scotty Johnny himself, John Barnett, and the ego himself, Cheddar Talk, Aaron Flottam, talking Wisconsin sports, NFL through D3, college hockey, doesn't matter. Two mics, two crusty vets, two opinions, one based in reality and one based in what do you bet on Twitter? With music by Delete Great Cars and Trucks. Here's John and Aaron. Welcome, welcome. One and all, welcome into the Scotty Johnny Podcast. I am your not-so-humble host, Jonathan Barnett, and with me, we have Aaron Cheddar Talk Flottam again. Hey, John. How you doing? Uh, yeah, the okay. energy's down. This Packer week's got me got me down. Uh, I was at the game, as you know. Uh, that was a strange one to walk out of, but uh, yeah. yeah, no, it, it was what you feared, but not... Yeah, it could have gone different ways, and we'll we'll get into all of that. Uh, we'll let you know first off that you can find uh, this show on X Twitter. First off, at Scotty Johnny Pod. You can also find this show on Mastodon specifically, which is at Scotty Johnny Pod at Mastodon social. You can also find me at Not So Humble Host on X Twitter. You can find me at Mastodon at Scotty Johnny at Mastodon World, and you can find me on blue sky at je barnett all right aaron how do people find you if they need to find you out there on the uh the social universe john you can find me on the x twitters at uh at cheddar talk at cheddar talk or blue sky apple bottom bottom at blue skies or apple bottom bottom whatever just find that apple bottom <laughs> blue sky that's where i'm at so <laughs> perfect perfect all right, we're having a uh, two-episode week this week to try to get things covered because we had so much good Milwaukee sports news. Uh, and then also we want to really talk about kind of where we are with the, the Packers. And we have a lot of good last-call stuff that we're going to put into this segment. So uh, we're going to get everything rolling right now, though, with the segment that we like to call our main event. Starting things off with the main event. All right, so we start off our main event this week, on um, this version of this week, at least with the Packers, who gave us everything you didn't need this week, I guess. Um, this was one of the roughest losses I've had to sit through, except for, I guess, um, that Giants playoff loss uh, when we were 15-1 and one and then lost. Yeah. Uh, and that one also, because everyone figured they were going to the next game. Uh, a lot of people sold their tickets. And there were a ton mm-hmm. of Giants. There were more Giants fans of that game than there were Lions fans of this game. And I know it looked bad on the video, uh, but yeah. having been there, they were all on the east side of the stadium almost entirely. Well, didn't they say that if you mapped it, it was almost right where all the gold package people sit? Well, they're almost they're all, That's a gold package game. They're all gold package game. Tickets. That's what I mean. All the gold package people sold them their tickets. That's well, it's 100% gold package, though. So everybody in the stadium is a gold package ticket. So that's oh. that's not a thing. It's the that's oh. the side that's the Lions sideline. I think Lions yep. fans wanted to be on that sideline. Unfortunately, yeah. the sideline where the cameras point at is that sideline. The other side was all green. <laughs> I, was, I was gonna say it looked pretty bad. Yeah, <laughs> so the, the visuals were pretty bad. There were a lot of them though. Uh, that is no. the most. Well, that was obvious during the post game. Like that, you don't fake two thousand people during the post game show. No, the, they yeah, and they all stayed because this is the first time they've had anything to celebrate in Detroit. Uh, yeah. for a while, football wise, they have had a. I mean, the Tigers were good for a little bit there. Um, yeah. So that so yeah. so tidbit of how bad it did get though, John. So I don't know if you heard this fact or not, but in the 188 games that the Packers and uh, Lions have played against each other, mm-hmm. that's the most points and a half Detroit's ever scored. Yeah. I mean, first off, they're it more looked- scoring now than ever, but that that was one of the most pathetic first halves of football I've ever watched the Packers play. It was it was an insanely bad first half of football. They did nothing right. They um, they were biting on every bad fake. the The first touchdown pass, Rasul Douglas bites hard on a slight shoulder shake by Goff. Comes up quickly to try to play the the play against uh, uh, St. Brown, and he just makes the cut and goes out. And Rasul lost his feet, so he was wide open. There was nothing he could do after that. Um, yeah, and just without. Aaron Jones, which he was obviously still hurt because he, he had, what, three carries? Um, 
I just figured I just figured Lafleur wasn't using him again. I was yeah, sure. he he obviously wasn't, and I think part of it is just he was. I think he's still hurt. That's the only excuse I can think of that makes any well, sense on this team. Uh, because I, I, yeah, yeah, I have a small theory on that one too, and that was with all the other. Give it to me. No, no, it, it's not even conspiracy theory. I think no, it's give it to me. it's I, it I, it was. Uh, I really think him and Watson were pushed back really early with mm-hmm. the intent of just being in a uniform because of all the veterans that were injured. Yeah. Well, there was some talk that they were being essentially saved for this game because people were less concerned about the last game and wanted to have mm-hmm. them ready for the division game. But Jones was not healthy. He had five carries. I was off. Uh, yeah. And he, he did catch one pass on two targets for a loss of four yards. Watson, Watson uh, caught a ball. Watson caught a ball or two, but he wasn't out there most of the game. Yeah, Watson had what two catches? I think on the game. Uh, yeah, two catches, twenty-five yards, uh, and the one touchdown, which helped me in I fantasy, a, but little else. I, I think I think it was a real stretch just to to get them out there just for some sort of um, positive energy, some kind of you know help, you know, with because uh, with all the young kids on the team having you know Jair gone having. Yeah. Bach out and stuff like that. And then losing Devontae Campbell, what, halfway through the first quarter? And it was just, yeah. and, you know, and, and, and you can give, oh my God. And, and I mean, it was, it, just, was, it was a lot of you know, watching he, McDuffie out there. And, and yeah, so, which, and Quay played, and Quay played his tail off. And to blame him for that field goal jump at the end, that there was too many other things that went wrong. It I'm going to, st- stupid young move, but God, he played a heck of a game. You know, I don't before and after that. I'm gonna say this. There, there's one of two things happening. It, 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 I'm not saying that's both. It's it's one or the other. Either Quay isn't that good, and he ends up just doing he's he's Blake Martinezing it a lot, mm-hmm. or it's the it, he's specifically being told to wait. He mm-hmm. he refuses to attack the line of scrimmage, and there's only two options: is that one is he can't read the play fast enough to know what's happening. Or the other option is they're telling him to wait back and go get the ball only if the lineman won't go go won't get the tackle. He does not meet he when he comes up, he even had a couple plays. He came up and he got to the hole where the ball was being run and then stood there and waited for a running back to come to him and then twice at least. Running back just cut back inside and Quay didn't even make a play. Because he couldn't. Because he was standing there flat footed waiting to make a tackle. Well, if he's doing if he's doing the yeah. Blake Martinez thing, he's doing it a lot faster. He had two big plays on the edge, uh, where he got to a running back and blew him up on those plays. And I think the problem is, like everybody sees the splash plays. He did have one tackle for loss here. Mm-hmm. Um, they see the big splash plays, but you're not missing the number of times he's just hanging back enough. And well, he's... How, how much how much is that not having Devontae Campbell in the game too? Even when this has been going on for weeks. Um, okay. uh, this has been something I've, I've been talking about on Twitter a couple times. I've done some film stuff on it showing where like, there's one play I showed on Twitter recently where, um, there's a clear, if you're, if you're watching, you can understand these things like clear run action on the, the offense. And I, I had problems with this in, in preseason a couple times too, where guard steps in for the, the block on the nose. Right. And what you're doing then is trying to push the nose out and probably a balance block where the guard then moves up. So Quay is supposed to go to Phil on that one with the clear run action, seeing the ball coming, uh, but waits and waits and waits. And then eventually, you know, the tight end comes out and just blocks him five yards downfield. And yeah. then they ran right through the gap anyhow. And and one of those that happened big time right in Cincinnati. And one of the, I think it was Slayton actually made the play. I had one last week where he's back seven yards deep. They, they're playing him far back, which is the one reason why I think it might be schematic because he's actually playing slightly deeper than Campbell some of the time. And I'm mm-hmm. wondering if they're just trying to treat him as like a giant safety. Uh, we're like, I just don't want any big runs. And like, wh- what? You know, it is, it is. I mean, safety is one of our weaker positions. Maybe that is. I mean, it's yeah. Joe Barry, too. It could just be really bad. Scheming. That's that's why I'm giving him the, the <laughs> it has to be one of the two. And I can't tell you offhand which one it is because it's entirely possible because they're lining him back up further. That mm-hmm. that they want him to do this, um, like, you know. It, I guess it would make sense if you if you've got you know Gary on one side and 
Ngbari on the other side or uh, Van Ness when he comes in, those guys aren't going to be, you know, they're 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 all upfield, you know. Yeah. And so you have Devondre Campbell or McDuffie clean up close, and then you're playing safety to make sure nothing. Because if if you're concentrated on a heavy pass rush, you know, and you get hit with a draw, you don't want to get. I don't know. Maybe maybe that is it. You know. I don't know. I think they Stop also feel. Five. Stop them at five instead of 50, you know. Yeah. Then the, the other worry is, of course, that um, we played this game again. Stokes still out. He's going to be out for a bit. Uh, Jair was out the entire game. Uh, Valentine got hurt again and, and missed the entire second half and, and good, most of the first, too. So we were playing Valentine and Rasul and Nixon, and that is it. That is the, all the depth we have at corner, and that's everybody up. And so, yeah, just – those are, are problems. We still won't play Anthony Johnson for some reason. Um, but, yeah, right now, I mean, like, yeah, there's there's major problems in the, the defensive backfield with the injuries. And Quay, I, I see him doing things and being involved in tackles. But at the same time, I don't see him reacting in ways that I think show that he is really understanding what's happening. Unless, again, he's being told to do that. Which then, what are you doing? Why do you have Quay if your entire defensive plan is to hold him back and say, just go tackle him after they've reached the line, reached the line of scrimmage? Don't go meet but, them in the know, hole. They also don't. They also don't have that hard hitting safety that comes up and does the same thing. Right, but I mean, maybe that's maybe that's what he's covering down for. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, like, I'd like, like to. I'd like to have a lot more promise for that kid because that kid's got some real talent. I'd Unlike, like to see them. Know, someone else we're going to be talking about later, but with the name of Royce Newman, who just sucks. He's terrible. But <laughs> I would like to see them run blitz with Quay Moore and just let him react rather than making him read and wait on stuff. Because there are different ways you could use this. Because there's no doubt he's incredibly athletic, and when he's just got like follow that line, you know, follow that running back out of the backfield wherever he goes. I mean, he does very well at that. He did very well at that uh, this week. He had a couple though where. He stepped up on a, a wheel rod on the running back and then stepped completely away and left him wide open for a 15-yard pass. And there's a miscommunication somewhere because he's all alone in the flat. And yeah. I forget which corner it was, was going back into the deep quarters almost. And so there's nobody in the flat for 15 yards and gave up a huge pass play there. there there's, there's issues everywhere in, in, in terms of what this defense is. And whether or not they're putting any of these people in positions to win, the guys who do look good are the defensive line, because their job is hit these two gaps. These gaps are yours. Uh, they've been getting decent pressure, even though they do not blitz. Uh, I mean, T.J. Slayton has looked fantastic. Devontae Wyatt has actually looked very good this year. A big step up because he didn't do much last year. Kenny Clark still fantastic, and then rotating in um, uh, my, Carl Brooks, my boy out of uh, Bowling Green State. Uh, I really like him. Bowling Green, is, is, I mean, we watched him there. He's been talking with my son through DMs just like as his super fan, meaning, meaning my son is his super fan, not the other way around. Um, no, yeah, I really like Carl Brooks. I think he is a stud, and he's fantastic. And the yeah. fact that he rotates in is amazing for this team. Uh, Kingsley, he does, he, does, he, does seem, he does seem like our sleeper guy this year, doesn't he? He's fantastic. I've been so excited to have him out there. He's doing a great job. I'd like to, I'd like to, I'd like to think it's Heath, but you know, <laughs> Heath was nice, but yeah, uh, we, we'll talk about the offense in a second, but yeah, yeah. Justin Hollins, he's done. Like he's got none of the anything that he had last year. Preston Smith is in there just for run game, but then they take mm-hmm. him out on running situations, which makes no sense to me at all. I'll tell you, Isaiah McDuffie has actually overperformed for what you'd expect for him. He was, what, a fourth-round pick out of BC, I think. Um, it, he's been solid. He's got good aggression. He attacks the line of scrimmage. Uh, I really like him. Sorry, he was a sixth-round pick. Um, he's done a great job being a, a solid third inside linebacker, a guy who can come yeah. in and you don't notice a giant drop-off. He's, mm-hmm. he's good. He's good. He's not a great player, and he'll never be great. There's gonna be there's gonna be good players coming out of this year's draft, John, just simply because they get played and they're gonna get NFL experience. Mm-hmm. How many fifth rounders never see the field and then it's like, well, that guy never panned out. I mean, yeah. outside of Dubois, who was taken in the seventh round, like every single player that the Packers have drafted this year is out on the field right now getting their ass kicked in. 
you know, <laughs> learning the game and they have to react and they'll probably be good, mm-hmm. you know? And he's another one of them, you know, it's like, well, he's doing okay. He's not doing the best, but she, I mean, what else are we going to do? You know? It's, mm-hmm. Yeah. It, so it's great to see, you know, probably do the Packers favors in the long run. Right. So I think long run is the thing for this team. They're the youngest team in the NFL. Long run is the goal here. Um, but in the short term, this was this was this was pathetic as a, as an opening salvo. Oh, yeah. Moving to the offense, there there's just guys going the wrong way all over the place. Um, there nobody doing Jordan Love any favors. Least of all Royce Newman, of course. Who Newman? Um, just he's so, he's so bad. He's so bad. And they and they have Nyman, who is I have preached, I've I've gone and talked about a number of times on this podcast. He could start elsewhere. He's got the tools. Why is he just sitting there backup tackle? Why can't we move Tom into center or something? I don't know. Like Newman should not be on the line. No, he's no Except good. Except if everything's gone wrong. Sean Ryan is also not good. We don't have any depth at guard. I, like John Ryan Jr., JRJ, uh, he and Nelton Jenkins are really good. And there's no depth at guard. There's tons of depth at tackle at this point, which is being massively tested. Um, since Bakhtiari is now on the injured reserve, uh, Walker's had some growing pains. Uh, he had a very good camp. He had a very good preseason. He has had some growing pains uh, last couple weeks. He's had some dumb penalties. Some of it. He's had, he's had to go up against some really hard pass rushers. Cam Jordan last week, and then this week, uh, uh, Adrian, uh, what's his name, from Detroit? Yeah, Hutch, I think, mostly lines up against the right tackle. But, yeah. Then, so story, Tom but... had some problems with him, too. I think Tom had a hold on him, which is a bad one there. Mm-hmm. Um, some of Walker's issues, though, again, are because Royce Newman doesn't know what he's doing and ends up leaving a tackle far too much in space. He should have some help inside. They should be communicating. There should be some work this way. Uh, and that's not necessarily happening. There are sometimes guys are jumping quickly inside, and it's because Royce Newman's looking f- too much inside for something that's not there. And can't help. Uh, so, yeah, issue with the offensive line. Biggest issue right now still is that the wide receivers are just not on page yet. I mean, like we've mentioned, uh, there are all first and second year players, and that mm-hmm. that creates a problem. I mean, as much as anybody could have a you know d- you know that relationship, like uh, Rogers to Jordy or Rogers to Cobb mm-hmm. type of relationship. None of them do because they're all in their first or second year. Uh, we're seeing good things out. Like every one of them is flashing something. Uh, like I said, Romeo Dobbs looks like he could be fantastic. Yeah, he's, he's, he's gonna be great. Uh, he's gonna be great. When healthy, Watson shows you he can be anything. Uh, you just worry about him turning into like Robert Ferguson, where he's a super athletic, strong dude who is gonna be tight muscled and tight ligament. Percy Harvin, man. Yeah, Percy Harvin too, to a certain extent. Percy Harvin with 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 different different ailments, but still the same thing. Percy Harvin had all the talent in the world. You know, had more talent than you know ninety five percent of the wide receivers who have ever played in this league. He couldn't stay on the field, man. Mm-hmm. True. Between yeah. between basic injuries and then all of his migraines and the fact that he played for the Vikings, which will give anybody a migraine, <laughs> but. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I mean, even just look at the great Julio Jones. I mean. Julio Jones could have gone down as the second best wide receiver of all time, third best behind Randy Moss and Jerry Rice. But that Don Hudson number one. Well, yes, Don Hudson number one. Sorry, modern era wide receivers at okay. the top of the head. All right, <laughs> uh, because Don Hudson's by himself. But Julio Jones, man, how how much was his career hindered by hamstring injuries? Yeah, true. true. All all the time he was always. I mean, the dude he's still playing somewhere in the league right now. I saw him last year playing, and like there was a play that he made that he looked like. The old Julio Jones, and then by the end of the game, he was on the bench again because his hamstring was done. Yeah. You know, it's like I, I, I hope to God this isn't it. Yeah. So. Uh, we didn't get, and then and then and then yeah. Wicks is Wicks had like one good reception the week before. We haven't seen Heath since the preseason. Musgrave is making some boneheaded mistakes that you do just because you're, he's going to be legit, though, man. And yeah, then I, it was good to see. It, it was good to see in a blowout, actually seeing Kraft out on the field, too. And De- DeGuaro was actually 
maybe maybe his maybe his veteranship showed because he was actually in the right place on a couple play, a couple plays and that's why he got some receptions. A couple of receptions so. down the way that were fairly nice catches actually. The other thing too is you, you can't judge tight ends in their first year. I mean, we all know how many catches Travis Kelsey had as a rookie, which is he had none because he played in mm-hmm. one game because he couldn't make it onto the field because he wasn't ready. Uh, and that mm-hmm. happens with tight ends a lot. Um, George Kittle's first year, not good numbers. I mean, that's just yeah. like we get well, into this stuff of here, but you're like, you're building a team. Those guys are going to be better, better next year and the year after. And Musgrave is, like I said, just like a lot of the other young kids, just by virtue of the fact that there's nobody better on the team right now. You know, unlike Kelsey, who couldn't get on the field because he's probably behind. Nah, Gonzalez was already gone by that point, right? Yeah, uh, he was way Yeah, Tony. yeah he, he was, was already in Atlanta and done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. But anyway, so whoever he couldn't get in front of, well, <laughs> nobody else to put in front of Musgrave. So he's yeah. just going to play regardless, and he's going to figure it out on the fly. You know, so, which I hope it works out for him. So, yeah. I just look at this Lions defense and you just I don't know why we couldn't pass them in the first half. I mean, um Emmanuel Mosley was injured, did not play. That means that their their cornerbacks were Cameron Sutton, Jerry Jacobs, and uh Chase Lucas. Mm-hmm. I mean, what? Yeah. Safeties in the game. Uh I guess they had Brian Branch out there too. I I don't think a whole lot of him, but he's he's kind of a small linebacker essentially. They got him at nickel and such too, but he he's not following you down the field. He's not particularly fast. Uh, Tracy Walker and uh, Ifeetu Melifanwu playing at safety, and you're like, that's well done. kind of okay. But yeah. we should have been able to pass on this team all day long. It's not that should've, scary. That, yeah. Should have, but that front four is a problem, man, and that Hutchinson kid's a real problem. Yeah, but, I mean, like, the other guy is, I guess, Kaminsky's, Okay, Benito Jones is okay. Um, the others are, are okay. not as scary, but yeah, he's great. He's amazing. No, and I he mean, it makes, it makes it if you have a dude who's a problem, man, that changes everything, you yeah. know. And for the first time this year, even against the Falcons, you, you could see a little bit of rattle in Jordan Love, you know, like just like the world was, you know, <laughs> collapsing down on him a couple times, you know. So he held it his own for like the most part. But like, in the second. I mean, yeah, I was saying though in the second half of this game, the the Packers, you know, gave up seven total points and scored seventeen. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like there was nothing in the first half that the Lions did that they didn't already have on film, except for one play, mm-hmm. which was that end around. They mm-hmm. didn't sneak anything past us. They didn't do anything new or different. They didn't catch us off guard. Everything they did is stuff that's already on film that you knew was coming, and this <laughs> team could not do it they literally just beat the crap out of the packers oh yeah the they, packers they just, they just they just beat them up is, that's what they did there's nothing special they just beat them up it's not a At weird question looks like on tv it's not a weird yeah. question to ask um is is lafleur a good coach does he adjust is he more you know is he more into that his system's great or that he understands how to coach people um because I don't know anymore. I'm not really sure. I think that he did a great job revitalizing Rogers' career with what he was able to do in offense, but I don't see the scheming guys open. I see that he is convinced he's going to keep these. I think like what you had and you could have done is really spread out the offense more. The Packers have been going with very tight formations. I think that going even if you're just going three wide, running guys out to the sidelines and trying to create plays side to side rather than insisting on running between the tackles and quick outs and stuff like that. And we, we do throw to the sideline way more than we throw over the middle. Um, just what are those things that, that we just kind of don't do that, that really could have worked against this, this defense that, that we just weren't in any way prepared to do for quite a while? It, it seems like we're very good at making adjustments. We're terrible at taking a week and getting ready for something. The Thursday night game is in every way an advantage for the home team. You don't travel. You're staying at home. It's a short week. It's bad for both offenses. Uh, it, it's but somehow this was this has got to be the highest scoring Thursday night game in the history of history, right? Um, I can't I can't think of anything else like this. They're normally low scoring, terrible games to watch because it's so short. 
Um, well, I know De- Detroit's not much that that much more experienced than the Packers are. They're not that much older. They're still a pretty young team. But yeah, I mean that was obviously an experience thing, also an experienced quarterback thing with Jared Goff. Yeah, who's turning his career around nicely in Detroit, and you almost have to applaud him as much as he plays for Detroit. But um, he looks better than Stafford did um, at, at points. Um, but uh, uh, to answer your question about LaFleur, I, I really do believe, you know, LaFleur did come in here uh, with a revitalized Aaron Rodgers with a team that still had a lot of talent on it. Mm-hmm. So he had that going for him. So he kind of walked into a somewhat nice, not nice situation. And um, yeah. I think you could tell by the frustration. Uh, you probably didn't see the halftime interview or anything like that. He was <laughs> mad. Like he was mad. And it was because people weren't doing their jobs. And I mean, it's after three years of even last year, it wasn't that bad, you know, like, but just like th- this first half of this game was pretty bad, you know, and just, it was a frustrating game for him. I, I think he'll be fine as a coach. I think he'll do just fine, but you know, I, I think we have to, after, you know, beating the bears right up front and then squeaking one out against the saints, you know, like I, uh, I want to tell everybody, remember, we got to temper this stuff down. Like, let's bring it back to what mm-hmm. we thought this year was going to be. And it's going to be a lot of, a lot of heart, a lot, not a lot of heartbreak, but a lot of butthurt, you know, <laughs> like just, it's, it's not going to be pretty and it's going to suck. And they're throwing people out there who shouldn't be starting in the NFL. And they're judging whether or not they've got the quarterback of the future. And even in a loss in even as bad of a loss, it was, you can tell he was a quarterback. He didn't buckle under pressure. He didn't, you know, he didn't play poorly, you know, like even the, you know, the Ritter kid down in Atlanta, like you, there's still questions about him, you know, but with love, it's like, well, he's a quarterback. He's an NFL quarterback. You know, that's not to be, you know, not to be, uh, you know, dismissed. Right. So, but I mean, as far as everything else goes, like it's, and, and plus on top of it, I'm not still, I'm still not convinced Barry's a good defensive coordinator. Oh, well, he's terrible. Um, I, I think, I think Roger or I think uh, Lafleur is timid to call some of the things that he wants to call because he's trying to protect Jordan with love from getting his confidence destroyed, you know, at points. And that's why he's like keeping it in, like just trying to trying to build that, you know, those relationships, he said, because, you know, those running backs or those wide receivers don't know where the heck they're running to, you know, and then the, the one person on offense, you're going to lean on really hard Aaron, um, Jones yeah. gets hurt with what's going to be a nagging season long injury. You know, it's like, I, I think he'll be fine. And I think you want, you don't want to switch out from him being a coach now. No, no, no. I'm not for, saying at that. At least for not for like three more years, at least like if in three more years, we're still having these problems. Yeah. Then yeah. Cause the talent's there, but the ex- experience isn't. And I think LaFleur is having a hard time adjusting to not having people do their basic job. I think the other thing, too, is it, I'm not calling for him to be fired. I'm just saying it's worth asking the questions at this point because mm-hmm. I don't know what we're looking at here. And not being prepared for a game like this, which really mattered in terms of this season, is a bit inexcusable. At home on this point, they just weren't even ready. They weren't ready to start a game. And that's two games in a row where they could not play for three quarters, basically. Like, they just the an entire first halves being thrown away. This is the NFL. You don't have time to wait till halftime to, to start fixing things. This is not college football. You know, like you got to start getting that done in game. You could argue in the, in the New Orleans game, they weren't exactly ready at the beginning of the game no, they either. Now, were they? No, they were not. No. That's what I'm saying. It's two games in a row where they were not ready to play when the game started. And, uh, yeah, did not play two first halves there i mean just the, the last two first halves have been miserable and some of that's just they aren't they aren't ready he's not gotten them ready to play these games and yeah they're young so there's a lot of other things at work here it's not as easy as saying it's all him yeah uh, i just think he's, I'm, 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 I'm he's, willing to give him a break on that because the people right. he's rolling out there are inexperienced and especially you know after you know we only lost bach going into the, the second game mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden third game i was like when did Jair Alexander get hurt? Like, I didn't even realize he was hurt, you know? And then it's like, oh my God, like, who are we running out there? Yeah. Like, it's... The, most experienced, the most experienced person on the field is Elton Jenkins. You know, like, and he yeah, wasn't even not, playing in the Saints game. He wasn't playing. He wasn't playing, he wasn't playing <laughs> he wasn't in this playing game. In the Saints, he wasn't even playing in the Saints game. So, I mean, it's like, yeah, they're running out, you know, and it's a lot of, you know, 
and the heart and soul and the heartbeat and the, the pulse of the Packers runs through its offensive line. Mm-hmm. It has for almost 20 years now, yeah. you know, and it, it's, it's always been based around even before that back to the Rogers years too. When, you know, you had, uh, I mean, even all the way back to Kenny Rutgers, you know, like yeah. the, the Packers offensive line has been solid for 30 years. And in the off years, that's when the line has been iffy, yeah. you know, and I would say this year's line is iffy if they don't move some people around. Well, if people get better, if we get out and back that, that shores up the entire guard position. I mean, when we have our starting guards out there, it's fine. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that is rough. Um, yeah. I'm not, I just think Lafleur is part of the conversation here. He is definitely not the entire conversation. He's not even the biggest part of this conversation at this point, but if he doesn't fire Barry after this year, then yeah, he becomes a bigger part of the conversation because then he truly is starting to put things ahead of winning. And some of it is his scheme and some of it is, you know, his buddies and Barry doesn't have it. Uh, like not finding ways to put Quay Walker into positions to be more successful. That's kind of unforgivable at this point. Um, I think that the receivers are going to get better. A lot of these guys are going to get better as they go, but we do need to rebuild the entire safety position, the entire running back position and all the guards, all the backup guards. So that's. Can we bring back the zombie of Kevin green? (laughs) Sad. I'm dead serious, man. Yeah. We are going to need more depth at uh, what we thought was a very deep. No, no, not not not, not for linebacker for a coach. Right. But yeah, bringing coaching of those linebackers, this, the outside backers, we don't have, yeah, like the depth that we thought we had. Some of the guys have kind of, like Enigbari has not played as well this year. Hollins hasn't played as well this year. Um, mm-hmm. We aren't putting at, uh, LVN on the field. Vaness isn't seeing the field for whatever reason. When he's out there, he looks great. Uh, he has looked very good so far. Maybe not, I mean, not like we'd kind of hoped for somebody in his position, but he's had good pressures. He's not anywhere approaching Gary yet. Well, it, Gary wasn't either. His- his takedown on Fields is impressive because he caught up to Justin Fields. Like Justin Fields thought yeah. for sure he was going to get around him, he closed on him like a rocket, and it, it, it was that was just the speed of that kid was impressive. You know, it's it, but I mean I don't know. And that was a that was another pick too when they took it. It was like he like Musgrave is playing because there's no one else to play, and I really think that they are really redshirting Van Ness this year. The problem is that. You'd like to have him registered underneath a defensive coordinator he's going to play for. You know, what is this, the third year for Joe Barry now? Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, he should have been gone after last year. Just, yeah. I mean, they got it. They got to hear about it. They, they literally hear about it. There's mm-hmm. a stockholders meeting, and I'm sure you guys talked about it this spring, right? <laughs> yeah. He's, he definitely, he's heard it. Everybody's heard it. <laughs> this... Joe Barry, he, it's, it's like it, he's another one of those where it's like, you know, at least Dom Capers won a Super Bowl with this team before he got bad. And Dom Capers has success. Like Joe Barry's just a, a, a walking nightmare of a coach. He's, he's never been good anywhere he's, he's gone. Not a single place. Not once. Not ever. And he keeps getting more chances. I mean, because his dad was Rod Marinelli. He became a defense coordinator on a team that went 0 and 16. But, no, I'm sorry. His father in law. Sorry if I said dad. Father, his father in law. Yeah, yeah. His dad was a coach with Colorado and then uh, ended up, I think he coached with the 49ers for a little bit. So he helped him get in so he's you know his dad and his father-in-law reasons why he was able to get jobs and he's got buddies in the positions now can we can can we get rod marinelli (laughs) i'll take Uh, rod marinelli (laughs) yeah he could be the defensive coordinator it'd be fine let him be the defense exactly that'd be great i don't know what else could go wrong anywhere uh just just whatever i mean rod's probably retired at this point but god bring it back i don't care bring back (laughs) bring back wade phillips yeah anyway i'm yeah but this needs to be something changed there. It doesn't do you any good to change it in season for this type of stuff. Um, but I don't think he's helping these young guys get better. I don't think he's helping to scheme them into positions where they need to be. And I don't think he knows what he's doing half the time. So, yeah, um, that's definitely a problem for this team is that going forward. But Who's, who's, worse, who's worse at the job, Joe Barry or Eberflus? Oof. Um... Yikes, that's a good one. I'm not entirely sure. Because I'm not as much to put out. Well, it's not Eberflus. Who's the offensive coordinator of the, the Bears? I can't think uh, of Eberflus is their head coach. Coach. The OC is. 
Oh, I have to look him up again. I forget his name. Uh, he's he's taking he's taking all sorts of heat too for the whole Justin Fields thing too. But anyways, like, yeah, no, like I put Barry there. Like Getzy, the sorry, coaches. Luke Getzy. Yeah, that's get, right. get Luke Getzy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. So between between Getz, who's worse, Getzy Eberflus or Joe Barry? And <sighs> yeah, it's 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 tight. Yeah, Getzy <laughs> doesn't understand what he's got. Yeah. Did did Getzy come from the Kansas City Chiefs too? Ah, uh, gosh, you're giving me all the tough ones. Turn, not, not turn this into Bears fan line, but I, I know Nagy did. Nagy know? did, yeah. Uh, let's see. I didn't even know came. It's so funny. When you look up uh, Luke Getzey, it says, like, do you mean Etsy? Do you want to go to look at Etsy? <laughs> like, no. Yes, I, I would actually rather go to Etsy, but, you know, no, I'm trying to do a podcast right now. My friend's asking me a question. <laughs> uh, the last job become, before becoming the offensive coordinator for the Bears was as the Green Bay Packers quarterbacks coach under LeFleur. Oh, that's right. He was. getting about that. He actually had oh, two students right. at the Packers. <laughs> He was with he was the offensive quality control coach under McCarthy uh, yeah. in 2014 through 2016. Uh, he became the wide receivers coach. 2017, he became the offensive coordinator and wide receivers coach at Mississippi State University. Yeah, when because he, he got fired and they brought in Tom Clements, right? Oh God, you, you know why gets he's a right. dummy. He he was uh, the wide receivers coach uh, at Western Michigan under PJ Fleck. That's how I know you're not good at football. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> and then Eberflus, like I, th- when they hired him, it was almost like when they hired Tressman. It's like, who's this guy? Like, <laughs> I'm what, sorry, he did what? You're gonna love this, uh, Getzy. Just because we've got a little bit of time since we're doing two podcasts this week, is sure. Uh, why not? There's first... nothing to talk about with the Badgers. Let's rip on right. the Bears. Though. His first yeah. job uh, that wasn't as a graduate assistant was the <laughs> offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Indiana University of Pennsylvania. The IUP yeah. oh, Crimson Hawk. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. no yeah, I, they, IUPUI. No, Indiana University of Pennsylvania, which is. Oh, because IUPUI is Indiana University of. No, IUPUI is Indiana University, Purdue University in Indianapolis. Indiana. This is in Indiana. the city of Indiana, which is in Pennsylvania. It's a D2 school. Indiana wow. University of Pennsylvania. Oh, my God. How great would that be if they, they like IUPUI and. <laughs> and IUPUI. We're a first round. We're a first round matchup in the NCAA tournament. Oh, it'd be so good. I don't think. Oh, so many I's used in P's. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, rough, rough. Oh, the Bears. The, you know. You know. And after that, you know. So this weekend, I honestly was cheering for the Bears because I hate Sean Payton and I hate oh, Russell Wilson. I and I and especially after the way he conducted himself with the Nathaniel Hackett throwing him under the bus yeah. and saying, you know, that yeah. there's a bad head coach, You're like that just use some decorum and then just getting blown out. You're a defensive coach. You're from the Parcells tree, you know, and you get beat seventy to twenty yeah. by the goofy little nerd guy down in Miami yeah. who decided not to kick a field goal to score the most points in an NFL game, which <laughs> he should have. And so I was actually cheering for the Bears to win because, uh-huh. believe it or not, I have a heart and I do feel bad for Justin Fields. But yeah, like, he's being <laughs> then again. And then at the end, I'm like, oh, come on. And then I'm like, oh, well, the Bears still lost. So whatever. I don't care. Yeah, that's fine either way. <laughs> like, in, in epic fashion. Like, oh. hey, this, this worked out well for everybody. The, uh, the Packers will get that Broncos team on the 22nd. But between now <laughs> and then, the Badgers or the Packers, pardon me, is still on the Packers. We'll play the Raiders in Las Vegas on Monday Night Football. Uh, yeah, Devontae, I, I wanted to go, except for the lowest face value seat tickets are $350. I can imagine. The, 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 the flights are $99, but the tickets are No, they're not. Yeah. No, they're not. I looked for all of are them. The... It's massively expensive to go there. No. It's yeah. Well, I figured, you, I figured you could still get a cheap flight somewhere, but... No, because that's my anniversary, and we were looking to go out there for the game. All the prices went. That literally, Trina found when the the state the announcement for the stadium or for all the the games were were put out. You can watch the price of like Delta Airlines tickets when they announced that the September or the, all the flights for October 9th were in one range. They stayed one range. Once that date hits, they all jumped. Mm-hmm. All flight prices like more than doubled. As soon as mm-hmm. there was the Packers coming into Las Vegas, 
Um, no, that that city is looking to gouge you. Uh, that's what's going yeah. on. Oh, Three hundred fifty dollars no. for nosebleed uh, end zone seats. That's I mean it's no, ridiculous. I mean, but I'm still saying that the flight tickets are going to cost you way less than the than the stadium tickets are. Regardless. Oh yeah, no, no, yeah. They they they're, they're looking to make all their money on on actual ticket sales because people there's not people who live there. They're trying to gouge tourists, which is oh hundred percent. Yeah, no, I. Well, that's what they said. Is that that's what they said? Like the uh, the highest the highest cost tickets for any NFL game in the last fifty years are all Raiders games and the Raiders Super Bowl. Here, the the Super Bowl game at LA uh, at Las Vegas uh, Stadium coming up here. Like it's just it's not even close. Yeah, it's like the average average price per ticket is just insane. They since they opened up the gates to that, they're all the most expensive tickets ever, except for Super Bowls. Yeah. So it's awful. It's, in- it's just ridiculous. So instead, we're going to go to Mackinac Island. <laughs> so yeah, <there> <laughs> it's fantastic. Uh, this is one where the Packers should probably do all right. It depends on a couple of things. Packers are favored right now, it looks like. Um, yeah. But I don't know. Like, we'll have to see, too. Devontae was hurt last week, and I think he did come back into the game. So we'll see how he does. Uh, they've got, you know, like a 10-day gap here since they went from Thursday to the following Monday, you know, two Mondays after that game, we had like a 10 day gap. So hopefully we get a little better picture on, you know, Jenkins and Jair and Jones, uh, the Jays, all the Jays, all uh, the Jays. Well, and, 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 and I really do think that they might really consider taking the foot off the gas for this Las Vegas game too, mm-hmm. just to get that. Cause the buy is the next week. Yeah. Yeah. Your guys are going to get two and a half plus weeks of rest off a of bye. So mm-hmm. that's, you know. yeah. So that's just what we'll have to see where they go with all of that. So, yeah, Monday night game here. Packers should be favored. I think it's going to be a messy, weird game. We'll see if they prepare at all. Uh, Garoppolo was, he's been in and out too, and a little bit injured at times. So we'll see what happens there too and what they're doing at quarterback. I think. They had to play. And, he's a, and, he's a, and everybody for, you can't forget he's a notorious Packers killer too. That jerk. <laughs> yeah, with different coaches, but yeah, with different coaches, different teams. It doesn't matter. He somehow finds a way to win against uh, Packers. Yeah, so I think it's going to be something like mm, it'll be Monday night. We'll have a bunch of stuff. Devontae wants to look good here, but most of his beef was the idea that Rodgers made him great, so he doesn't really have anything against any of the other people still on this team. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't have anything to prove against anyone else on this team, particularly. Devontae is a big, tall receiver. Even if Jair is healthy, likely to give him problems in, in many ways. <sighs> I want to say something like 22 to 19. Just for you, Aaron. Possible score origami. I don't know if that is, actually. I bet yeah, there's, not a lot of, there's, there's not a lot of score origamis under, yeah. under 25 anymore. But, yeah. Um, let's see here. So... Uh, my prediction, John, that's about spot on, I'd say. But my prediction, hold. I've got, I've got, a, I've got something weird that you didn't think of. Okay. Okay. Tomorrow morning, the Packers announce that they are trading a second-round draft pick <laughs> to the Raiders for Devontae Adams. <laughs> no. We'll come back to the Packers to go play, and he'll just stay there. They'll just bring the jersey to him. That's- <laughs> That's kind of like how, like, the number of times the Brewers have, like, left <laughs> the place with one of the players they just played against has been yeah, kind of odd over the last five years. Uh, but yeah. it, it, is, it, is, it is a little weird, isn't it? But, yeah, no. So they trade for him. They just stay in place. Matt LaFleur goes, you know what, Devontae, you know the offense. I'm sending you the playbook digitally. Pull it up on your iPad. Why don't you give that give that leg a little bit of rest? We're going to send out one of our personal trainers to make sure that, you know, you're, you're ready to go for the game. And then uh, they show up. Devontae balls out, catches four touchdowns, shows the world that he's still number one. It doesn't matter who his quarterback is. Packers win 42 to 5. 42 to 5. All right. That might be a good. That would be a score, Gami, wouldn't it? No, no. Uh, um, Let me look it up. 42 to 5. 42 to 5 has got to be a score, Gami. That is a Um, score, Gami, if if it were to happen. Not a lot of fives. Not a lot of fives in football, yeah. Uh, Not no, a lot I'm, of fours either. Anything to four except for ten to four. Ten four is the uh, only four score. That's amazing. <laughs> you can score four, I suppose. You can yeah. Score... yeah um, no, I I'm much more in the camp right around you. Uh, I will think 
It's going to be a traveling game. I think Garoppolo is going to be in the game. Uh, I really think what I just said is going to be true, and they're going to hold out a lot of players that are on the fringe of playing. I actually am going to pick the Packers to lose, probably more around the lines of 22-17. Okay. All right, then. Well, that's what we have for the Packers. Like we said, there is not actually a Badgers game to talk about. We have a preview, though. This week we continue with Big Ten as the Badgers will play Eastern Division rival Rutgers, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Uh, Rutgers went 4-10 and 10 last year, but I'll say this. They definitely looked, I don't know, they brought back a lot of guys. They brought back eight of their defensive starters, most almost all their defensive line here it looks like too. Um, just their defense and their offense are actually, well, their defense is one of the best in the Big Ten right now. Okay, so it's like, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Rutgers in terms of yards per game passing, um, yards per game rushing. They are still fourth. Penn State, Michigan State, Nebraska, Rutgers. Uh, overall yards per game in the Big Ten, they are, well, fourth. Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, right up there. And right next to them is Rutgers. Wisconsin, bottom three in the Big Ten yards per game, 375 yards per game. Uh, that's just ahead of Purdue and in and uh, Illinois. Uh, on the converse, I guess the Wisconsin Badgers' offense is actually fourth in the Big Ten, and Nebraska or in uh, the corner. Gosh, I'm just going with Nebraska here, but it's Rutgers. They're bottom five. They're fifth from the bottom, just barely ahead of Minnesota's anemic little offense in terms of yards per game. They do score six more points per game than Minnesota, though. So. Um, in terms of points per game, Rutgers and Wisconsin right next to each other. 33 points to 30.8 points. Uh, so don't think that this is a pushover game. Uh, Rutgers has a good defense, and they're bringing back a lot of guys who played last year. And Shiano's got a lot of linebackers who can play, and that's what he loves doing. Uh, he's got a good defensive line that's bringing back a lot of people. Rutgers is three and one as well. Uh, their one loss though is Michigan. I'm sorry, they're four and one. They they actually played last week. They lost to Michigan thirty one to seven. But other than that, they did beat Northwestern, which they ought to. They beat Virginia Tech. Uh, they beat Temple, and of course the vaunted Wagner, uh, who are the Seahawks. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. Mm-hmm. They're, they're nobody. You don't know who they are, um, and you don't know if I made that up, but I didn't. I'm assuming that they're on an ocean somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I forget what group they're in. I did just, I did pull up Wagner. Just, just because of the sea chickens moniker, that's about it. They're in so. the uh, Northeast Conference, I guess, with like St. Francis of Pennsylvania, Duquesne, Merrimack, Stonehill, Sacred Heart, Central Connecticut, and our favorite, Long Island University, the Sharks. Yeah, uh, who we know from I hockey. Do, I, I do like I, I do like Duquesne just because of the way their name is spelled. Yeah, Duquesne. Duquesne. Yeah, Duquesne. Yes, of course. But yeah, it, this it, is... look, it, look, it looks it looks like a weak name, but it's Duquesne. The Badgers did get two weeks Love to it. prepare for this game, so hopefully they bothered because I mean it sometimes doesn't seem like that's what they're into. Rutgers does <laughs> a very good job in running this ball. Uh, they have Samuel Brown and one of my favorite names, Kyle. Manangai. That was just, that's such a cool one to say. Uh, okay. Like a man and guy, but no, he's Manangai. Uh, Manangai. He's their kind of change of pace. He's a shorter running back. I'm Manangai. Yeah. And I'm here to kill him. I'm here to avenge my father. How does that go? <laughs> I need to go Montoya. You kill yeah. my father, prepare to die. Um, prepare to die. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for getting are... that off that really terrible clue. Yeah. <laughs> They have a good running game. Those are both good running backs. Manangai is a short guy who's got good wiggle. He moves well. Uh, he does run between the tackles, and he's got he's a real shifty runner who doesn't go down easily. Uh, that that could be problematic. They've not been particularly great right up the middle. If they can get to the edges, we're going to have to be chasing. But that's the best part is um, this isn't a team that's necessarily going to kill us with the receivers. They, they got some guys, but it's we're not as worried there. They do have a young quarterback. He is a redshirt sophomore. Ended up having to play a bunch last year, but then also got hurt last year. And then, you know, they kind of had to play three or four different guys. Uh, they're hopeful this guy comes back. He's got a big arm and he's athletic, but he's, you know, been hurt before. So 
it'll be an interesting game. Wisconsin's going to come into this one favored and, uh, well, rather heavily favored at this point. The ESPN predictive and analytics say 77.7% chance Wisconsin wins this one. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's going to be particularly high scoring, though. I think that if we're looking at this one, it, it's entirely possible this is like a – I mean, they both score 30 points a game, but that's because, you know, Rutgers beat up on Northwestern and Temple and Wagner. Uh, I just think if we're looking at this and we're being honest about this game, it's going to be something like 20 to 17, and we're going to just see what what we can do here because they're good against the run and they're good against the pass. And we're without Chesma Lucy now, so it's going to be an interesting sort of game to see how they've worked out who they are going forward, how they use the bye week, and what they're able to do with this team uh, here. So that's going to be kind of key and if they can stop this run game from Rutgers. Anything else you want to add on that, Aaron? No, sounds good to me, man. All Thanks right. for breaking all that down. <laughs> all right. So what we're going to do now is we're going to wrap up the rest of our segments of different things that we like to bring into the show in a segment of our show that we lovingly call our last call. Time to look around and get your bearings. It's time for the last call. All right, we'll continue with our last call. And the way that we start many of these at this point uh, with Wisconsin volleyball, uh, as far as the Badgers go, they continue on their winning ways. They have yet to lose a set in the Big Ten, knock on wood. Uh, So last week was Northwestern and Indiana. This week, Ohio State and Michigan uh, playing uh, Ohio State in Columbus and Michigan coming to the field house. Uh, Ohio State, it's a three to nothing win, like I said. 19, 20, and 18. So Ohio State put up a good fight here. Uh, Wisconsin managed eight aces to five aces in this game. Nine blocks to four. Uh, Actually... Uh, was it, uh, forgetting her name right now. Uh, Carter Booth. Carter Booth was actually named the defensive player of the week in the Big Ten. She had eight blocks in this game. Anna Sprank, uh, five blocks. Uh, for kills, we had uh, 11 for Sarah Franklin and 10 for Temi Thomas Elara. Uh, so yeah, uh, good times all around. Julia, or pardon me, Julia Orzal, uh, 11 digs to lead the way in that game as well. Uh, then again, the three to nothing win over Michigan. They beat them 13, 15, and 14. That's that's pretty rough for that game. They win in the yeah. blocks department 11 to three. In aces, they win seven to four. Just yeah, massively coming at them. In assists, 39 to 25. Uh, Badgers winning in every statistical category. Devin Robinson leading the way here, uh, 13 kills. Temi, uh, Thomas Alara coming in with 10 kills. Sarah Franklin with nine. Uh, CeCe Crawford, six blocks. Booth Carter, or Carter Booth, pardon me, with five. Uh, and then with digs, uh, Izzy Ashburn actually stepped up in this one, getting 12 digs to Yulia Orzal, also 12. And Sarah Franklin with seven. So Wisconsin continues actually, on down that road. I, uh, I was actually just going to say, too, uh, you were talking about how badly they stomped Michigan. I had a friend, I had a chance, we were up north for a wedding this last week. I got a chance to talk to uh, my other friend, John, who's a lawyer, uh, John <laughs> Schulte, who is uh, an Iowa Hawkeye, though, John. I think we've talked about John in the past. We have, um, yes. Yeah, big, uh, tough to get along with, though. He is a uh, he is a Hawkeye fan, a Chiefs fan, and a Cubs fan by, <laughs> by right. I talked him into being a Bucks fan this weekend, though, because he was unaffiliated for NBA. There you go. But, uh, but no, we were talking about volleyball. We were talking about... Uh, the Nebraska volleyball game where they drew 92, 98, 92, a ridiculous yeah. amount of people. Right. Right. And, and so, you know, that the Badgers are looking at that going, you know, we got to do this at Camp Randall, <laughs> you know, there's, they, there's no way they can't because the number one team in volleyball, it's not going to happen this year. Obviously it's already too late for that. But, and then he brought up that one point, they, uh, they had a uh, Iowa wrestling meet at Kinnick stadium one time. Oh yeah. I bet. That Early in the year, they pulled they pulled it off in an October one, and so um, it's incredible. And so we were talking about that, and we said, "Well, I guess the record would have to be beat at the Big House." The problem is that Michigan's not real good at volleyball. They're not very good at so, volleyball. Yeah, so you know, I mean, obviously, you could probably pack one hundred ten thousand people in there for a volleyball game there, but they'd have to be good at volleyball. Anyways, yeah. so I, well, I was thinking of that when you were saying the score. 
No. Yeah. Marquette uh, continues down their Big East play, uh, winning their next two here. Like we said, coming into Big East play is where they're going to be good. They beat UConn three to one and Providence three to nothing. Uh, against UConn, they get uh, the wins are nineteen. They lose the first set actually twenty five nineteen, and then when the next one's eleven thirteen and twenty two. So that's pretty intense right there. Uh, they out, outdid them on aces nine to three in this one. Uh, that's that's an incredible number there. Uh, they get led in this one. Aubrey Hamilton with thirteen kills. Uh, Jenna Reitzma with ten. Uh, Hattie Bray with five blocks. Uh, Yadhira Anchante with 37 assists. She's been incredible in these ones. Uh, in the game against Providence, uh, they win 9, 26, and 12. So they had one good match with Providence where they win 28, 26. The other ones didn't give up 26 total between the next the next two games. They win in aces 6 to nothing. On that one, uh, Hamilton again leads and kills with 16, with Carson Murray with 10. Yet here on Chante, 42 assists. <laughs> so, so, so good in this one. She also had three aces in this game as well. Uh, Carson Murray led in blocks with four. Moving onward and upward, we did have women's hockey this week. And uh, Wisconsin Badgers played two games, they played Lindenwood. Uh, they win those ones uh, six to nothing, and then they also win in a school record, sixteen goals scored. They win sixteen to one in the second game. Uh, in that one, we've got goals from Caroline Harvey, uh, Casey Hall, Britta Curl, Lacey Eden, uh, Sophie Helgeson, Kelly Gorbatenko. The one goal for Sarah Davies for uh, Linwood Lions. Uh, Sophie Helgeson, uh, Sarah Wozniewicz, Marianne Picard, and Kirsten, uh, Sims, Kirsten Sims. So a lot of goals scored in here. At least a couple hat tricks as well. Uh, just fantastic going out there, uh, getting a good win. And, uh, and you know a game they needed to win and should have won because this is not a team you lose to if you are the uh, reigning national champions and the current number one overall team. They'll be back on the ice on October 5th and 6th, where they will be playing Boston College in a non-conference game as well, uh, 7 o'clock both nights. Uh, in terms of the other games, uh, we didn't have any, it doesn't look like we had anything in terms of uh, ice hockey just yet, but uh, that'll get started. It looks like the first WIAC game will be October 20th for men's hockey. Uh, men's D3 football this week. River Falls beats Platteville 27-16. to 16. Uh, They remain unbeaten and top 10 ranked. UW-Whitewater beats Oshkosh 37-21 to 21 in Oshkosh. Lacrosse uh, 45-40 to 40 over Stout. And Eau Claire goes into Stevens Point and wins 24-17. Uh, this next week, uh, Point will play Platteville. River Falls and Eau Claire Lacrosse and Whitewater in Whitewater. That should be a fantastic game. And then Oshkosh will play Stout. Moving on then to uh, the other matches, we did have some fun cross country this last week. Uh, Badgers were in the oh, I'm trying to say the name the Sean Earl Lakefront Invitational, which was hosted by uh, Loyola uh, down in uh, Chicago area. Yeah. Badgers actually finished first in the men's. And they actually finished first and second in men. So Bob Liking and Jackson Sharp finished 1-2. The Badgers' next three runners placed 11, 14, and 21. That'll do it. Especially <laughs> if you get 1-2, it's going to be really hard for, I mean, yeah, if you, you get 1-2, if you get 1-2, I mean, the other team, another team would have to get three people in the top 10. Yeah. No, it's crazy, yeah, to be able to do that kind of thing. That's so D one. That's impressive. What would you say his name was? Bob Liking. Bob Liking. He's a two-time Big Ten champion. Uh, currently, as things stand, the Badgers men's cross-country team is the fourth-ranked team in the country, moving up from fifth last week. Uh, so it is mm-hmm. Northern Arizona, Oklahoma State, BYU, and Wisconsin. So that Bob is the, Liking. That is that is a name right out of the sixties. That is too. a name too. It's so good. If you were to tell me, if you were to tell me he was a cross country runner in 2022, 23, whatever year win, I'd say no. If you said he was a cross country runner for Grinnell back in 1963, I'd say 100. <laughs> percent 
Uh, Wisconsin women drop one spot from 16 down to 17 in the uh, uh, women's cross-country rankings. They are third in the Great Lakes region uh, currently. They dropped down uh, Providence down to number 16, Oregon at 15, Michigan State at 14. And, of course, California Baptist moves up nine spots to uh, 13th overall in women's cross-country. Men's Cross Country D3, UW Lacrosse and UW Whitewater are three and four nationally, respectively. Uh, after that, you got to go a little ways to try to find the next uh, Wisconsin team. Uh, and, you know, when you scroll enough, you're like, I don't need to scroll anymore. And so you're done. Uh, women's Cross Country, UW Lacrosse is eighth nationally. Uh, so they are the they're they're well ahead of anyone else as UW Eau Claire is the next highest at 22 uh, among women's cross country teams, and that's about all that we have for our last call. Aaron, did you have anything else you wanted to add before we wrapped everything up today? Uh, no, I think I'm good, John. Thank you for asking, though. Awesome. All right, everybody, thank you for joining us for another wonderful week of Wisconsin sports for the most part. Uh, remember to follow us. Uh, go back to the beginning. We've given you the long list of all the places you can find us on Twitter, Blue Sky, Mastodon, everywhere you can find anybody, you can find us. Uh, just go back there and listen to those and go follow us. And remember to uh, to share the podcast anywhere you can find it, anywhere that you are listening. Thank you for making us part of uh, your listening experience. Uh, so please also, though, remember that whether you are on the town or on the go, it is always on Wisconsin. This has been the Scotty Johnny Podcast. Remember to find the boys on Twitter at ScottyJohnny1 or online at ScottyJohnny.com. Thanks for listening and on Wisconsin.